The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With queen mattresses starting at $349.99. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. Now, sometimes we can't avoid the maze. We're going to walk into brick walls. We're going to get lost along the way. Or the journey that we originally planned for ourselves is just going to magically disappear. But that doesn't mean that our journey doesn't stop. It surely does. And today my guest is Kimberly Smith. And Kimberly has a journey like the rest of us. Um, and we're going to listen to where she's coming from, where she's going, and how we can just like listen to other people and realize that, you know what, life is pretty darn good. We can get from A to Z. So welcome, Kimberly. How are you today? I'm great, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. So... Uh, when I saw your bio on Podmatch, um, there were a lot of things that sort of trig triggered me. Um, and talking about the transitions through life. Mm -hmm. And most of us look at other people and we think they've got it all. They know exactly where they've been. They know where they're going today. And they know where they want to be tomorrow. But the reality of it is... If you just listen just a little bit, you're going to find out that we're all in a state of confusion. And it doesn't mean it's bad, but it just means that nothing really is perfect. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty ordinary gal. <laughs> I'll start there. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. And now I live in Houston, Texas, that's, which has been my home for um, pretty much the last five years. I lived here for two years before that, moved to Florida for a while. So I've been, I've been around. Uh, and, you know, I, I grew up just like anybody else, um, kind of just, you know, following the, the people around me, looking towards society's ideal vision of what success is, right, for guidance. Sure. And, you know, I came from a pretty humble background. My mom was a single mom with three kids. By the time she was 26, she was going blind actually. So she had a, um, you know, she had a lot on her plate. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, I grew up in a pretty, you know, ordinary suburb, but I never kind of felt like I belonged there. Right. Like we weren't in the same financial category as most of my peers. So I felt like an outsider. And then, you know, I did, I managed to, you know, get myself into college, which I think came as a surprise for everybody. In my family. <laughs> I wasn't a stellar student. I wasn't super confident. I wasn't an athlete. Um, I had a job, you know, I went to, by the time, since I was, you know, 13, 14 babysitting and then got my working papers at 14, 15, and, and I got a job. Um, that was my reality was kind of that hustle till you make it you, you know, work hard and you're going to be successful. And, and I was successful. I, I gained a lot of confidence throughout college and, 
you know, again, was just trying to do the best I could and, and check the boxes of what it meant to arrive right. into adulthood, right? Like, you know, we expect like the doors to open and the band to strike up and for <laughs> it to be this really amazing experience. And, you know, I think I, I speak for a lot of people when I say I had reached a certain level of success and I kind of looked around like, is this it? is this what my life is going to be like for until, you know, till the end of time? <laughs> um, you know, it really started like my personal reckoning started about seven and a half years ago. The new mom, I lived in Florida at the time. I didn't have a support system of family or anything around me. So again, I felt like I had a lot of weight on my shoulders. Um, my husband's job was very consuming. And so I felt like a single mom from day sure. one. And I know a lot of women feel like that, even if they are married or in a secure partnership, they feel like nobody understands what they're going through. It's motherhood can be very isolating. It is very isolating. Right. Um, as a woman going through that for the first time, your body changes in all of these miraculous ways, but you become disconnected from who you knew yourself to be. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, there was just a lot swirling around. I started to have a lot of anxiety and depression issues, frankly, a lot of mental health struggles and, you know, it could have been postpartum uh, in a way. Um, I think it was just me kind of opening my eyes to, to the world and how I had been living and how I had, you know, arrived into this partnership and marriage and you know, things that just weren't meeting my needs. Um, and how would I go about changing that? Right. Like, you know, we are not taught how to evolve, right. we're not taught how to embrace change. We're taught how to fear it and how we shouldn't rock the boat. Right. We're taught you to be grateful it. for what we have. Don't rock the boat. Don't cause any trouble. Right. Like at least that's like, those are the I heard as a kid, right? Like be grateful for what you have and don't be greedy. Don't want more. Right. Um, so there was a lot that came up during that time, Karen, you know, and, uh, it, I was stumbling. I was, I was finding my way through the world and yeah, it's, it was great. You know, I had to use my resources. I had to get creative and through it, you know, everything in my life changed and parts of it felt really frustrating and really messy. And then there's been so much beauty as well. So absolutely, yeah. you know, and just listening, you know, you mentioned that your mom was a single mom and going blind with three young children. Yet you were a married mom, but it sounds like you just felt insecure in that relationship as well. But you didn't, you had a role model, but you had a totally different role model than who you thought you were going to be, obviously. And I think that confuses us, you know, um, we grow up with certain expectations and these voices play in our head. Um, and it sounds like you were extremely resourceful as a very young child. And so you sort of expected that of yourself. And it's interesting how we beat ourselves up and say, but this isn't right. Where am I? So where did you finally get the courage to say, okay, this isn't right. I have to make some changes. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, coming from that humble background and, you know, where 
financial, like you just, I didn't feel safe in many ways in terms of not my physical safety, but just like financially safe, financially secure. You know, you get used to this hustle, 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 right. always needing to work yourself out of a problem or get to the next place. And then when there are no problems, um, and also, you know, battled with perfectionism and people pleasing perfectionists love to stir up problems so that they can <laughs> actually feel useful and feel like they're applying their energy to something. So, you know, I think I, I, I did that in some ways. Um, what was the final breaking point or how did I kind of yeah. get myself out of it was, I mean, I was uncomfortable, right? Like physically uncomfortable with anxiety and depression. Um, I growing up, you know, even amongst the challenges, I always was a pretty upbeat, positive person, right? I was very naturally optimistic, naturally energetic. And that was something I strongly identified with. But over the years of kind of moving into this adult phase of my life, I felt like I became kind of jaded, right? You know, working for different companies where I expected people in those positions to do better. Um, I became very pessimistic about leadership and, and humanity, you know, and just what are people's motives here? Right. Like I started to see the world as this very selfish place and it, 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 it definitely took kind of that reckoning with like, okay, I'm having breathing problems. I'm not feeling good. I'm unhappy generally day to day. I'm frustrated, agitated, not sleeping well. Um, you know, those things are not sustainable. That's not a sustainable way to live. Right. Nobody wants to live like that. Right. That certainly wasn't where I thought I would be even while having like a great home and a great job and married, like perfect on paper life. Yes. But not in inside. Um, my first call to action, Karen was to get myself a damn therapist, right? Like I didn't know where to start. Um, I had seen, a therapist once as I arrived in, in Florida, just as it pertained to like career stuff, and then was able to find another great therapist kind of postpartum, um, as I was going back to work and kind of realizing like, I'm not happy. I should be happy. I've got this great baby. I live in paradise, like five miles from the beach. I work oh. for one of the best organizations in Palm beach County. What the heck is wrong with me? Right. And, and that definitely opened my eyes to things that needed to change things that needed my time, my love, my attention. And I became more motivated in, in different ways. Right. And it, but it took a while, you know, it took a while to get to some of these root causes and, um, and find some, I don't want to say cures, but to find some remedies for these feelings, you right. know, um, again, emotional intelligence, not something we're really taught growing up. We're not even really taught to identify the right. full range of emotions, right? Most people have no idea like what compassion is until they're actually well into adulthood. Right. <laughs> and there's even a lot of those adults that have exactly. no idea what compassion is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and grief too, right. Yeah. There's a lot of grief that is built into life and, how do you reconcile that? How do you explain that? You know, and it, I think there is something to be said for experience and you just meeting those where you, you know, find them. But certainly I think I, I came up against those tough emotions and didn't even know what to call some of them because I had never been taught what they were. So therapy was a great container for me to get to know myself again, 
Um, of course, there's a lot of work that I had to do on my own, right. And just making space for myself and, and learning to love the different layers of who I was, and then also who I had grown into be. And, you know, that's a very interesting concept because many of us don't realize that we are growing and evolving. We look in the mirror, we still see that five-year-old child who um, mom said, don't touch that um, or don't wear that, or I don't want you to play with that kid next door. And then those, those voices, we hear them when we're washing our face, when we're brushing our teeth, um, when we're driving down the road and something just reminds us of a time. And, you know, I mentioned to somebody earlier, um, there's a big thing on Facebook that said, if you reverse your age, how old are you today? Mm. And every time I look at that, at least in the past year, I keep saying, yeah, I'm that 17 year old kid. That's how I feel most of the time. I don't feel like an adult. Um, I don't always do adult things. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you can recognize what you're doing, why you're doing it. And so, as you mentioned, you had to dig deep inside of yourself and say, there's this hurt in my gut. And I don't know why it's there. I don't know how it got there. But if I don't start chipping away at it, um, I'm going to hurt for the rest of my life. And is this how I want to live out my life? Right. So when you started chipping away at it, and it is a lot of work, and yeah. for our listeners, therapy it can be wonderful, but you need a therapist who lets you do the work. Right. Okay. I've had a couple who made, who tried doing the work for me. Mm. And, you know, in the beginning, I thought, this is great. Yeah, they're going to tell me what to do. And it was like, that was my biggest problem. I didn't want people to tell me what to do. And so when you find a therapist who says, okay, you got to do this. So now you start doing it and you've got a lot on your plate doing it. You're married, going back to work, new baby, you know, basically new area. So we know it's not going to happen overnight, but how long did it take you before you actually said, I think I'm getting there? Yeah. Oh, well, it got a lot worse before it got better, Karen. I'll I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, life for sure did. Um, like I said, there were parts that were really, really messy. Um, and gosh, when I think about how long it took, I mean, it was... It was at least two or three years before I really had some major breakthroughs, right? And I'll say that, like, I wasn't in active therapy that whole time. Um, during that time, we had moved back to Houston, Texas to try and regain some balance in our life. And I mean, we were living with my in-laws for a period of time. We had a renter in the house that we had owned here. So it was, I was doing a three-hour commute with a two-year-old. It was major chaos, wow. right? And so in 2017, 
uh, I found another therapist here and she's been with me since then. So just met with her the other day. Great. You know, a little mental health hygiene, right. but, uh, she really was magic for me. So it is really finding the right therapist or the right coach. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, there were some, there were some magic aha moments with her and, and really some radical self-honesty, right. I think it's so hard for most of us to admit what we really want because again, we're so, we're not really trained to be in touch with our desires right? because of that kind of like greedy mentality. And just like, like now I see my desires as this amazing internal compass, right? Like that, that are guiding me. They're there for a reason. Um, so, you know, there's no guilt around it now, but yeah, I mean, she helped me really kind of learn that, like to speak my truth. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, things from my childhood, even that had made that happen, right. Where I kind of lost my voice. I had lost my authenticity. I was trying, you know, because we all want to fit in, we all want to belong. And because of that, this strong society and culture that we live in, that's to be honest, very shame inducing. If you don't have X, Y, and Z, then you're worth nothing. Right. Right. That message comes across so loudly and so many different things out there and we internalize it. And then also, you know, we get messages from our family and just our upbringing and our, you know, more personal worlds. Um, but yeah, we become this adapted version, right? So that's the opposite of our authentic self. We right. become our adapted self, which really isn't who we are born to be. It's who we think we need to be. So letting go of that adaptive self and really getting to know who I was and being able to own my voice and really be in touch with God. Yeah, this is what I want. And I don't need to apologize for it. Exactly. Liberating. And, you know, a lot of this, it sounds like was happening at the peak of social media. Okay. Um, And as much as I love social media, I hate it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's (laughs) taken me a long time to be able to read things out there and say, they may be that happy. Their life may be that perfect, but you know what? That's not me. Okay. And I don't have to, I don't have to show my fanciest dress on Christmas morning um, to make people think that I'm okay. Um, But yet for a long time, I thought that, you know, if, you know, we don't pose in front of the Christmas tree, then you know what? People are going to think that my family is breaking up. Mm-hmm. If I ever post something saying, hey, I'm taking a mental health day today, people are going to say, oh, is she crazy? The reality of it is we all need mental health days. We absolutely do. I need to take more. I don't um, because I put on my cape in the morning and I try to be superwoman, but um, I remind myself in bits and pieces during the day. Okay. Face reality. You know, you cannot fly. You don't have magical powers, but those are the messages that we get on social media. Um, So in 2017, that had to have been hitting you pretty hard. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And there was a lot that people didn't know about, gosh, my marriage and the state of it. And, you know, we had 
yeah, via social media, we had this amazing life, right? People had watched us buy our first house when we were 26 and moved to Palm Beach, Florida. And, you know, he worked for one of the major employers in Palm Beach County. I worked for the other one. Right. Um, and so we looked like this power couple. Yeah. Right. And in reality, I felt trapped, you know, I felt like we were completely disconnected. There was little to no passion left in there. Right. Like it felt like we were roommates. I felt yeah. like we were business partners and, um, you know, and then coming back to Houston, you know, we tried to revive some of that, you know, we tried to go on trips and like really like spend time together. And, um, you know, it was too little too late for us. You know, I think that like, I, I never regret anything. I think my marriage was a gift from God and it was a, a, a time that I had to go through. Um, and it was an amazing container for, you know, my beautiful daughter to be born. And, and now I have a lifelong friend too, in the sense of my ex-husband, right? Like we've, um, grown tremendously through ending our marriage in a very unconventional way. That was, you know, our marriage started and, and our relationship started with love and we chose to end our relationship with a lot of love too. So yeah, it was, it was hard, you know, to share that publicly that my marriage was ending right immediately. Gosh, like, you know, reckoning with guilt and shame and all of those things, right? Like people thinking I was going to be a failure and where would my life be going? Like, there was just so many unknowns sure. and I, and I could see, and I can see now having gone through that, you know, why so many people stay in unhappy marriages it's very scary. It is, you know, we think about 50% of marriages fail or fail or are ended end in divorce. But what about the other percentage of people who never get a divorce because they're just so afraid? Um, You're that so was right. my biggest fear yeah. was staying in that place forever and, and just never having anything joyful again. Um, that was a huge motivator. Well, and you know, it's interesting as you share your story. Um, I was a divorced mom when my oldest was five years old. Mm -hmm. um, again, felt the shame, felt, felt the ridicule, um, you know, wanted to put the blame on him. Uh, it took the two of us a long time to yeah. become friends. We, we weren't as lucky as you, okay? But we had to go through that very, very painful um, conditioning. Mm -hmm. But I also came from a family that just, you know, you couldn't work it out. I mean, constantly asking. Right. Yet my parents never truly approved of him. So it was like, why are you, why are you shaming me because of this? Um, it, again, that's a different time than 2017. This was back in the early 80s. So a lot has changed since then. But what I hear you saying is that both you and somehow your ex-husband actually both worked through this. You realize that, hey, you know, there's got to be a better way. Because yeah. if you stay together we didn't want to be miserable. We, we both wanted to be happy and, you know, we have this beautiful daughter too. Right. And, and divorce it is, you know, we all know 
I mean, divorce in itself, I, I hate the word because it right. just brings such a negative connotation with it. I really want, like, I've heard people say uncoupling, which is so much better. And, um, but yeah, divorce comes with a lot of like, uh, you know, that visceral reaction. Yes. And because we know how painful it can be, but it doesn't have to be right. Like, again, right. we're kind of that societal expectation that divorces are messy and hurtful and you're supposed to hate the other person and everybody's involved is going to be traumatized no matter what. Well, hell no. I, I didn't want that to be my reality. So what can I do? Right. And so there was a lot of compassion in there, right. Compassion for our younger selves who just weren't equipped right. for marriage and all that responsibility at once at that young age. Um, and just for maybe, you know, just being the partners we needed at that time to learn those lessons and to bring this beautiful person into the world. Right. And, and let it be that, right. Like not needing to overanalyze it, but, but yeah, it definitely took us being supported by our own, you know, groups of friends and our own families. And we had the same kind of thing. Some, some people, you know, his parents have been married for close to 40 years now. So, you know, they, they were, they were just as devastated, you know, they went through gr their grieving period, I think. Sure. Um, but you know, divorce can, you can come out on the other side quite well. Um, but it's so, a, you have to have that intention to begin with, right. That, that hatred and holding on to those hurts and all of that, it really does nobody any good. It only drags you backward. It only keeps you stuck and uncomfortable, for that much longer, right? It's that form Absolutely. of resistance. Like whatever we resist is going to persist. So if you resist the inevitable, you know, you're going to, you're going to be in that place for longer. If you go with it and you can approach it with love and compassion, you'll come, come out much better. Well, on my end, it took almost 21 years for the two of us to come to a point in the interesting part for the two of us, it didn't, it didn't happen consciously. Mm -hmm. um, our son uh, was graduating law school. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted both his dad and me there. Yeah. Um, he you know, made the choice that if you want to bring my stepmom, my stepdad, that's okay. But I want the two of you there. If you don't want to sit next to each other, I'll get you tickets separated. And both of us even said, um, no, we'll sit together. Yeah. And unbeknownst to each of us, we had said that. Um, and his grandparents came along as well, Good. Who, who never liked me, but we had a wonderful day together. And it was that day that you could see from the beginning to end, we just let that all go away. Yeah. That, you know, why did we hold on to it so long? Yeah. And I'm not going to beat myself up over it. And I want our listeners to know that it, it might take a long time. You might have those feelings, but if you haven't worked through them, and that was my problem, because every therapist that I had tried to work through, I kept waiting for them to tell me what to do. And when they didn't tell me what to do, I stayed stuck. And that's why this program is so important in my mind, because we all do things a little differently. We all get our strengths from different areas. And when I first started to hear your story about single mom going blind, you know, um, brothers and sisters, it's like, 
oh my God, like, how did you make it to today? Because there are so many who would say it's not possible. Right. But it is. But you have to want to do the work. You have to want to do the work and you have to be open to seeing things in a completely new way. Right. Um, and, and even things that you never thought were possible for yourself or for other people. Right. And, and just knowing that, like, if they are possible for other people, they're possible for you too. Right. Like there's right. no limits. There's, that's something that I have really, you know, I was living in this confined little box of what I thought I had to do, what I thought right. I should do. You get to decide, right. And you can't mess it up. Like that is, that's the most beautiful thing about life is that you really can't mess it up. And anything that you want, like your desires, in my opinion, like I said, were placed there for a reason. They're guiding you those little feelings of like, Oh, I want that. Or like, that would be so cool to do or whatever, like go do it. Like what is stopping you? Is that, that's the question that I always ask people, what is stopping you from starting that business, from starting that podcast, for going for that promotion, for changing jobs, for changing industries, from meeting that partner from, or from traveling the world or, or having a baby, right? Like you see women now, like they haven't found their partner and, you know, they decide to embark on motherhood on a solo journey, which right. is amazing, right? Like they've decided to not let their, the parameters of what they think something has to look like. And that all starts with leaning into the positive side of possible, right? We, we want to lean into the reasons why something won't work. And we go into the side of skepticism, which, you know, we all have to wear the black hat. Sometimes I think right. that that reality check is, you know, obviously useful, but there are certain times where it's really not useful. And if you really want to take a chance and, you know, surprise yourself and really feel that confidence and that joy that you know, you create within you, then yeah, you got to start opening your mind and heart. Well, and what I hear you saying is that we have one life, but we have many paths that we can take. Of course. So if we start walking down the straight and narrow and it just doesn't work and it doesn't make us happy, you know, there's a fork in the road. You can take it, experiment with it. Yeah. If that's not right, you can always backtrack. Um, a lot of us think that we can't, we use money as a reason why we can't do certain things. I can't leave my job because I make X amount. Okay. Well, maybe you can't leave your job today because you need that X amount. Right. But what is it that you really love to do that you can start doing? Take those baby steps because maybe your job will get better because you're doing something else that you love. We don't think along that way. We just say, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm stuck. But are you stuck? Right. You know, go ahead. You bring up a great point, right? In, in the sense of, um, you know, feeling like we have to burn it all down, right? Like we've gotten to that point in like a lot of people get to that point where they're so frustrated. They just want to quit their job. They want to, you know, get, they just want to start over, right? And like, you don't have to, quit your job or end your marriage. <laughs> like those don't, aren't necessarily the answers, right? Um, most it's a hard truth that everything starts with us, right? So right. You your job. Yeah. And understanding why, right. Is it the fact that you're taking things too personal? Do you have a boss that you need to set boundaries with? 
do you need to ask for a raise? Because, you know, a lot of companies, they lose track of their compensation and where people are at and the, the paths that they put people on. If you think you're worth more than ask for more, if you think you're worth more than, you know, nothing's stopping you from exploring the job market and stuff too, but there's ways that we can actually make our situation better where we are. Right. And that of course starts with us and making those decisions and maybe having courageous conversations with our colleagues or our, you know, leadership at work or our partner. Um, right. You know, yeah. If you're not happy in your marriage, like ask yourself why, what needs of yours aren't being met? Can you have, you just don't write somebody off and be like, yeah, they're just not capable. You know, like you, you have to go down and, and do some exploration and, and then you're going to find more information too. You know, these, the acts of changing your decisions and behavior and the way that you operate within your existing world is going to give you more information to make some of those bigger decisions if you need to. Right. Um, it can be very scary to, I mean, one day just be like, yep, I guess I want a divorce. Well, like, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I think most people, it's not a light decision, right? Like it took me years to actually get to the point where I, where I confidently could say, this isn't going to work, you know? So giving yourself room to kind of gain that knowledge and, and more information so that you can be confident about maybe making some of the other bigger changes too. The other thing that I think is important that we should be making the changes for ourselves, not for the people around us. Um, I know that 10 years ago I was in corporate America and I've shared this story over and over again. Um, I loved my position. I loved what I did, but the culture was killing me and I kept fighting it in my head. Mm -hmm. And the more I tried to fight it and ignore it, the more it just would creep in. And um, I found myself getting very depressed, um, not wanting to go into work, even though I was working 12, 13 hour days. Mm -hmm. So I was going in and I was working and the, I kept working harder and harder to try to chip through what I didn't like. Yeah. Um, and my company finally made the comment that, you know, I should go out on medical leave. Mm. And I thought, okay, you know, they're right. I don't take breaks. I'm going to do this. Sadly, two days later, they said I abandoned my job and it was like, whoa, where did that come from? But it opened my eyes mm. that I couldn't go back. They knew it. I knew it. Um, and maybe I had to have them do that to me. And I can say that 10 years hence, okay? Oh, yeah. But what I learned from all that is when something doesn't feel right, to examine myself from head to toe, mm. where doesn't it feel right? And if I don't understand it at that time, it's okay. Take a break. But what was happening 10 years ago, not only was I unhappy in my work, I was unhappy at home because I was bringing it all home. I thought the problem was also at home. Yeah. But once I wasn't working anymore and bringing it home, the problems that I had at home were minuscule. Mm -hmm. 
if I hadn't been in the right mindset, when I was kicked out of my job, I probably would have gone to my husband and said, screw you. We don't need to be married because I was hurting. Yeah. But I didn't because I kept going into myself saying, why am I hurting? Hey, why do I feel better right now? Mm -hmm. Is he talking to me differently? Mm -hmm. Am I responding differently? So I love what you said that it took you a while to see where you were going, because if you don't, those decisions may not be the right decisions to make. Right. And, and some of the things that you mentioned, even about how things happen within our world, right. That we have no control over with your employer. You know, I had a similar experience where I had joined, um, I had tried kind of coming back to Houston, found it hard to find a place that like really, I felt like I could do good work there and have longevity and the culture was a fit and all of that. And I did a couple contracts. I, I found this job that was just so me and I got it and mysteriously was let go after less than 60 days. Wow. And I had never had an experience like that. They in Texas, it's a right to work state. They don't have to give you any reason. Right. Um, and I think it honestly was just a, it was a new position and maybe they didn't even really need it. And after that time, they, they just realized that maybe they had to figure out the outline more. Um, they were, gave me a very generous, you know, package, but still I was so grief stricken and it was like where everything was crumbling. Right. And it was almost like, you know, and and this comes down to everybody's individual, like faith and what they believe in. Right. And, you know, I kind of have this, you know, new thought perspective of God and the universe and how they all entwine. But to me, that was a gentle nudge from above saying, this is not the path for you right now. This is not where you need to be putting your attention. You're not going to avoid the hard stuff anymore at home. You're going to face it and you're going to be better for it. And so like those devastating things or like those like question marks in our head, you know, they're almost these total redirections of nope, not that way. Or that's not meant for you. Right. Because there's a lot of things that we just don't have control over. So you've gone through this, you know, that most likely somewhere down the line, you may go through a stumbling block again. So what are you doing today to keep yourself as um, emotionally, intelligently well? Yeah, sure. Such a, such a great question. I, I spend a lot of time with myself for myself. Um, I think once you are, you know, they talk about, you hear people talk about their awakening, right? And, you know, I love that term because many of us are asleep at the wheel sometimes, right? It's very easy to fall into this, like the monotonous cycle of daily life and family and work. And then again, you know, you kind of from time to time are like, "Mm, this doesn't feel fulfilling and whatever, you know, and once you come out of that though, it's very, you realize that it's very intentional to make sure that you don't fall back into that same routine. So, you know, I do a lot of self-care. I've slowed down my life tremendously. I'm very intentional about the way that I schedule my time because I have unsubscribed from the hustle culture. That's a big thing that's changed for me is I don't believe that I need to work 12 hour days 
in order to be successful or make six figures or, or do anything like that. Right. Um, my, the, I've really designed my life the way that I want it. And anybody can do that. Um, but it does take being intentional. It takes a lot of self-care and definitely, um, being in touch with your thoughts and your emotions. Um, I mean, certainly disappointment is a very hard emotion that I've had to face over the last couple of years. (laughs) Um, again, an emotion that we're not really taught how to reconcile. Um, and like, much like you said, Karen, you know, really having those moments of self-reflection, right. When we start to not feel, what do I need right now in this moment? What is this emotion telling me? What is this anxiety telling me? Um, a lot of people are struggling with anxiety and stress. That's my main shtick is like, like unsubscribing from hustle culture, not like really managing stress day to day. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset, but anxiety freaks people out, right? Because it's so built into our nervous system and our, um, you know, just our primal responses, right. In our body and anxiety I've learned to befriend, right. Like when I'm feeling fearful or anxious, there's a couple questions that I ask myself, what am I afraid of right now? And what am I trying to control? Right. Like what am I trying to fight for control? Right. And a lot of times we want to control things that really we have no place in wanting to control. Right. Um, so, you know, I think really doing those things, like caring for myself and my mental health is a priority without that. I cannot flourish. I cannot live out my mission. I cannot help other people or, or be the mother that I want to be to my daughter. Um, that was a huge motivator too. And in getting a divorce was my daughter deserves to have, have a happy mother. Right. And sometimes that means that, you know, obviously it meant that my marriage wasn't going to work out, but obviously too, there's boundaries with my, with my daughter. Um, I'm, trying to demonstrate to her, you know, a better way of life. One that you can be successful. You can have all the things that you want. You can also do great work in the world and have meaningful work and you can still thrive personally, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Right. Um, it's not one or the other it's, you get to have it all. So I have a lot of daily practices. And then of course, like my morning and evening routines are staples, exercises, routine, um, and yeah, checking in with my therapist and my coach when, when I need to, um, everybody needs to be supported. And oftentimes our family and even our partner are not the best people to hold those, that space for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I shared this, um, on another show we did the other day that, um, I ride a stationary bike five to seven nights a week. Yeah. And um, my husband gets a little annoyed with me. He's not an exerciser. Yeah. Um, And he knows he should be. I mean, he'll be the first one to say, yeah, I know I should be. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's more of, um, I don't even want to call it jealousy, but it's like a little envious that I know how to do this for myself and he just can't get into it. And there are some nights he'll say to me, do you have to ride that? And my response to him is, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, when I started doing it, if I saw he didn't want me to do it, um, I'd get off. And yeah. I thought, I'm losing. Mm-hmm. And he's not winning. 
because I, I'm going to get cranky for not doing it. And so when you talk about that support system, yes, if you are in a good relationship, you are supportive, but not supportive about everything. Um, I too have a wonderful coach um, and we do uh, a podcast together and I can't wait for the podcast time because it's like, ah, that's the thing I was missing this past week. And so I capture it and I can take it on with me the following week. Um, There are certain people I don't share things with. And that's something that I sort of heard you say that you have to pick and choose. Not everybody's going to understand. Um, and that's okay. They don't have to understand everything. Um, but we have to understand For who sure. we're leaning on and why we're leaning on them. And the big thing I was going to ask you before we end this, if you had one piece of wisdom to leave for your daughter as she grows up, do you have something special for her? Well, I have lots of special things for her actually. So I love to write, um, I write her letters and I hope to one day publish that into a book called letters to Amelia, because I think for her to know what was happening in the world as she was growing up and maybe too young to really conceptualize a lot of the things. Um, and then also as a tool for her to get to know me and where I was as a, you know, young mother and young adult. And, um, I think it'll be great, but my best advice for my daughter uh, is really just to, to never, never forget about yourself. Like people will say that, you know, that's selfish. No, you have to be your number one priority. You are the key to anything and everything you want to give and leave in this physical world right here on earth. So, you know, getting to know yourself is a gift evolving, you know, and, and really letting go of how you think things need to be right. Like learning how to really right. surrender to the path of life, um, and just embrace your unique evolution, right? Like that's, it's such a gift that we get to see these different versions of ourself as we evolve. It's a, it's a beautiful metamorphosis that we get to witness in ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's too many things to choose. I love, Karen, but well, like, that would be one of them is yeah. Being in touch with yourself is number and one. I, and I love that because, you know, being unique, I think is so important in today's society. Um, we have to stop conforming. Mm. We have to collaborate. Yes. That's one thing, but our uniqueness allows us to shine. We all have yeah. something special. And if you don't allow it to come out, um, you, you can't be happy. And uh, I tricked myself probably for the first 55 years of my life. You know, if I made everybody else happy, I was going to be happy. Um, and it was basically somewhere between 55 and 60. I woke up and I said, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I am working so hard at making other people happy. And what am I leaving behind? And when I started thinking I was selfish, but then realizing I wasn't, it made the whole difference. And that's what I see in you is that I'm not being selfish. 
I'm taking the time I need to be strong enough for me. I'm going to put that, you know, oxygen mask on first so I can help Amelia. And then after I help Amelia, anybody else who's in need, I can help because I'm strong enough. But if I don't put that mask on, I'm worthless to everybody. Absolutely. You know, and I wish on a macro level as a society, we could see this, right? You know, you see all these, I picture all these people going to work for these organizations who have, you know, now they have all these people who are really ready to self-abandon yes. in pursuit of, of doing a good job for the company, right? Like they'll put up with terrible bosses and terrible cultures and not enough benefits and not enough time off and not like all of this nonsense. Right. And and the only people that, and it actually, everybody suffers, right? The individual suffers because they feel like they can't keep up with life, um, physically, mentally, financially, you know, all the things. Right. And then because they're chronically stressed and because they're so disconnected from them, themselves and their creativity, they're also disconnected from innovation. Exactly. Right. And they don't, and they actually don't perform at their highest level for those same organizations that want to exploit them so much. Right. And would, you know, give them their pink slip in a heartbeat right. if it was to, to do with their bottom line. Right. So I dream of a world where it's a little bit more for the little bit more it's for the preservation of humanity. Right. Can we pay people what they're worth? Can we give them the, the juicy benefits and this amazing lifestyle so that they feel so supported that they can then do their best work and their best ideas come out and their best collaborations happen and the best services and products, which are sustainable and also for a good use of humanity, make right. their way out into the world to solve, you know, global problems and, and make a real impact, a positive one. Well, it takes one person to get it started. So how can our, how can our listeners find you? Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, they can go to my website, which is, uh, encompasscoachingservices.com. So that's E N C M P A S S coachingservices.com. Uh, again, my name is Kimberly Smith. I'm based in Houston, Texas. I'm a mindset and resilience coach. You can also find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Kimberly.brook, B-R-O-O-K-E dot Smith. Um, and right now I've got some exciting things, you know, online, you can grab, um, my free mindset and affirmations bundle, which has a free ebook in it as well. Um, and I've got my empowered resilient woman program kicking off in February of 2022. So still a few spots left in that. And let me tell you, it's going to be great, Karen. We've got, I have three guest coaches joining from all over the world. It is such an incredible program for women who are ready to do things differently, who are ready to let go of the stress, the overwhelm, the guilt, overcome self-doubt, perfectionism, procrastination, all of that, um, and really carve an easier path through life, you know, through life to success, all of it. Um, so I'm pumped about it. So yeah, thank you. Well, we'll get all that in the show notes. I want to wish you the best of luck. We'll have to have you back on, you know, anytime. Uh, we're going to have to talk about your book and, um, you know, how we can all be a little bit more mindful of yes. what we do from day to day. Yes. It's coming our, soon. I definitely feel another episode coming. Okay. <laughs> and give our love to your daughter. She sounds adorable. Oh, of course. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's been such a pleasure, Karen. Same here. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>